that song that we sang this morning, Holy Spirit, come into this place. It should be our prayer every day of our life. We haven't had any... First of all, I want to welcome you here. You're an awesome bunch of women that you take your Saturday day off and come to a ladies' conference. We are so appreciated for that. We are so glad. We are so happy to see you here. I believe that God has a word for you today. And that word, it will be tailor-made for each and every one of us. Because God is an individual God. He doesn't make people the same. We're all different. And God made us that way. And God wants us that way. He doesn't want people to be all the same. He wants my personality, and he wants your personality. And he will work through my personality, and he will work through your personality. We all have something that God has put in our lives And we will work that thing out, whatever it is that God has put in your life and my life. I'm so excited today. (laughs) We haven't had a conference for a long time. And Pastor Brownie and I, we sort of like drifted away from these things. Because no, not, not away from the conference, because we, we had the, the minister's conference every year, and we continue to have that, and it's a blessing to the pastors and blessings to their wife and to their churches. But uh, God put it on my heart the same time that he put it on, he, on her heart. And I came to her one day, and I said to her, I really feel that God will have us to have a ladies' conference. And she says, that's funny, because I feel the same way. (laughs) And she says, that must be God. And from then on, uh, we set out to do this conference. And uh, we are blessed today to be here. I say, uh, I I was away for the summer, but God started to talk to me about these messages that I'm about to deliver to you in, in June, before I left here. And so I had a lots of time to, to get into the Word of God, and lots of time to pray, and lots of time to hear His voice. And lots of time I, I doubt myself, not God, but I doubt myself. But I know today that God, I have prayed that the words that I speak will become life and spirit, to the hearer. I pray that we will take this word and we will 
carry out the desires of our Heavenly Father. This is God directly speaking to us from his word. I'm going to use a lot of scripture today, and I hope that you have brought a paper and pen and that you will, you will not just take today what I have to say, but meditate on it for the days and the weeks and the months to come because God has a specific word for the church today. The church. And who is the church? The church is you and I. It's not the building. The church is the ecclesia that is called in the Greek that says the called out ones. And the called out ones, it's us. We have been called out of the world. And, uh, and Jesus himself said, come out from among them and be ye separate. Not that we don't love the world, because God loves the world, and he gave his son for the world. But he calls us to be separated from the world so that the world will see how we live and want to be a part of our lives, part of God's life. So I'm going to start today in the Revelations. Revelations. <laughs> Hallelujah. It's not all the time that we go to revelations. But uh, I really feel God is speaking to the church, okay? And, and like I said before, we are the church. So I find it so, so interesting how God, how, I mean, John is in the Isle of Patmos and he has a vision. What an awesome vision. He fell at the feet of Jesus as a dead man. And he has to be picked up. I'm telling you, I mean, I don't know how John felt that day, but I'm about ready to explode into something that I don't have to resuscitate you today. <laughs> I hope you just, just take it in because God is speaking to you directly. God is speaking to his church. And so in the island of Patmos, uh, he has an encounter with Jesus. He sees the, the magnificence of Jesus. He sees the glory of Jesus. He sees the, the, the most, uh, we, we don't have words to describe what John saw that day in the island of Patmos. He does describe it a little bit further down, but we're not going to go in there. What I'm going to go is um, in, uh, in verse 12. And John said, and I turned to see the voice that was speaking with me. And... Uh, and having turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. Seven golden lampstands. What in the world is this lampstands? Seven gold lampstands. And then in verse 20, it says, oh, pardon me, I, I'm, I'm going a little bit too fast here. He saw also, in verse 16, and in his right hand he held seven stars. 
and out of his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword, and his face was like the sun shining in its strength. So uh, to me, when I read this, I said, what in the world are the seven lampstands and the seven stars in Jesus' hands? But he goes on in verse 20, and he says, As for the mystery of the seven stars, which you saw in my right hand, and the seven golden lampstands, the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches, which by we say today is the, were the pastors of those churches. And the seven lampstands are the seven churches. So we know that there are seven churches that are involved in this, in this vision. And the first church is the, the Ephesus. Then there is Smyrna. There is Pergamum. There is Theatira. There is Sardis and Philadelphia. And then there is the message to Laodicea. Laodicea, it is, comes, it is, uh, it is uh, the Greek word which is uh, Laos, means people, and, and the, uh, Laodicea is like a, 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 a people rule church. And it is, the, it is the, the end time that this church talks about. It's the end time church that is backsliding. It's not a church that it is going on for God. It has... In another place, it says that they have a form of godliness, but they're denying the power of God. And we know that that church exists today. This, the, this church that is talking here in Revelation, they're, they're here. But I want you to understand the love of Jesus, the love of God. He couldn't have said that he has, he has so many things to say to every church. Uh, I, I know your, your deeds, they're good, they're this, they're that, you're doing good in this, you're doing God that. But then he says, into one church, he says, you have lost your first love. But I want you to read this account. Let's go to chapter uh, 3 and verse 14. And to the angel of the church of Laodicea write, They mean the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God, says this, I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I would that you were cold or hot. So because you are not look, because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. We can drink water. We can drink hot water. We can drink cold water. But this summertime, I was so thirsty. I went. I was outside. the 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 hose was laying on the on the cement driveway for half a day. It was 36 degrees out there, and I turned the tab on, and instead of waiting for the cold water to come, I took a, slu a, a drink from that. Can you imagine what it looked like? <laughs> a 
think that's what Jesus is talking about here. It was terrible. It was absolutely horrible. It didn't do anything for me. <laughs> so I believe the church, if, if it's not hot or cold, is not doing anything for Jesus. Today, I want to stir you up so much. I want you to open your hearts and look inside. I'm not going to look inside your heart. You have to do that. It's a self-examination, what we're going to talk about today. You examine yourself. You look into your heart and see where are you. Where are you? Are you cold? Are you hot? Or are you just coasting along that lukewarm church that you're not good for either side? God wants us to be hot for him. He says, because you say, I am rich, and you have become wealthy, and have need of nothing, and you do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. There is absolutely nothing that God has left out of here. He says that you are wretched, you are miserable, poor, blind, and naked. But Jesus loves us so much that he can have said right there, close the book, John, and let's go to the next. But he, did, he didn't say that. He did not say that. He loves his church so much that we have not come to understand the love of God that has for us. The love of God, nobody, nobody, I don't care who you are upon this earth, has understood it yet to the fullest capacity. But we must start to understand and know the love of God today. Yes. Listen what he says. He says, I advise you. He doesn't say, I suggest that you do that. Because a suggestion is nothing more than a wish. I suggest that you cut your hair, Leah. <laughs> Are you going to do it? No. <laughs> but if I advise you to cut your hair for something, for some reason, you might consider it. And this is what Jesus is saying today. I advise you to buy from me gold, refined gold. by fire, that you may become rich and white garments, that you may clothe yourself, and that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed, and I salve 
to anoint your eyes that you may see. Isn't that wonderful? What Jesus wants his church to have. This is his perfect will. Some of us, we have to examine our hearts, and if we fit in the first category that we are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked, we should take the advice of Jesus and go to his heavenly store and purchase for ourselves the things that he advised us to buy. There is not one of us in this place today that we should do without these things. These things are the most important things in our lives. We may live in a nice homes, we may have nice clothes, we may present ourselves to the best of our ability, but if we are missing what God is saying to us, we are not where we should be. Jesus loved his church. Verse 19, it says, Those whom I love, I reprove. I looked up that word reprove, and I thought, uh, well, what is reproving? And, and uh, I looked it up in a, different, a few different uh, dictionaries, and one of the dictionaries it says that uh, if, God repro repro if, if somebody reproves you, and that you not repent, it's not good. When a reproving coming to us, we must instantly repent. Because reproving is for our good. So those whom I love, I reprove. Jesus loves us, and he comes to us today to reprove us and disciplined, disciplined. He says there before, be zealous therefore and repent. See, he's asking us to repent. I'm not asking you to repent for me. Jesus is asking us, all of us, to repent. And we all have reasons, if we are honest. If you look inside your heart, you know there is some corners that you have not allowed God to come right into it. And Jesus today, he wants us to lay bare, just bare right on to him and say, come in and do whatever I need you to do. Jesus is building a church. And the Bible says he's building this church and the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. But you know what? We can stall the plan of God in our lives. We need to have open hearts before God. 
and he will come in. He says here, behold, I stand at the door and I knock. He is at the door of our hearts this morning, and he's knocking. He's not knocking to the unbeliever. He's knocking to the believers. He's knocking at my heart this morning. He's knocking at your heart this morning. And it is up to you and it's up to me if I will open the door and I will allow him in. I don't know about you, but I want him in. He says, I stand at the door and I knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come to him. I will come to him. It's not maybe. It's not if. If it's not but. I will come to him. That is a promise from God. I will come to him. He will come to you. You call on him and he will answer you. That's what the scripture says. I will come to him. And then he says, I will dine with him and he with me. How would you like to sit down for dinner right across from Jesus? That will be the, the, the most important guest that you would ever, ever receive in your home. And yet, we close our hearts to him. We close our hearts because we're afraid to step out. We're afraid what this person or that person or my husband, or my family, or whatever going to think of me. I say to you, get over that. Your husband, your father, your mother, your siblings, or whatever, they're not, they did not die for you. Jesus did. And if he's asking us to open our hearts today, I advise you, and me to open our hearts today. Open our hearts. He has a couple more scriptures here, but I'll turn to them a little bit later on. I want you to go to um, to Second Timothy chapter four. Second Timothy chapter four. And verse 1. This is Paul writing to Timothy and he says, I solemnly charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus is to judge the living and the dead, uh, that the, who, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with great patience and instructions. And he continues on to say these words. 
for the time will come when they will endure when uh, I'm sorry for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine but wanting to have their ears tickled there is there is people today that all they want to make me feel good and I've gone through that stage, make me feel good. But make me feel good does not last for very long. Make me, make me feel special that does not last for very long. The real world comes crashing down on you. So he says they endure sound doctrine, but wanted to have their ears tickled, they will uh, accumulate to themselves teachers in accordance with their own desires. Wow. Maybe my message today doesn't feel, doesn't make us feel good. But one thing I guarantee you, that it will propel us ahead. It'll send us off to something greater and something bigger and something better than we had before. And continue in verse 4, it says, And it will turn away their ears from the truth and will turn aside to myths. To myths. My husband and I, we were in, we went in Rome to Rome this summer time, this summer, this past this uh, the Ju July, and we went to see a place in Rome, and we went to this beautiful museum, and uh, and it was full of Greek mythology. And uh, I was looking at it from the from the uh, uh, f from from the point of view. Well, it's a museum. It's uh, you know, it's art, and and it's okay. But my husband looked at it from the other side, and he says to me, "It makes me sick to my stomach." What is the Greek mythology? is doing in this place. And I had to say, yeah, he was right. He was right. Mythology is mythology. But the word of God is the truth. Faith cometh by hearing, hearing the word of Christ. It doesn't come when we turn away our ears and we are turning to mythology or to our traditions. You know that our traditions, 
what our forefathers and our mothers and our sisters and brothers were doing and still doing in some cases, we shouldn't be part of it. We need to be delivered from that. We need to be delivered from those traditions that they will turn us away from Christ. And as hard as may seem, once you take a step, that's where your freedom becomes. And that happened to me. I didn't want to, I didn't want to stir up problems. So what I, I said to myself, what does it hurt? I can go. I'm not partaking it, but I can go. And I don't, I've, I remember one, a couple years ago, I was walking towards my sister's house, and I heard the Lord loud and clear. It was just like he's speaking audibly to me, and he says to me, you're not going to go there. And I said, why? And he says, because you don't belong there. And I said, but, 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 what am I going to do? What am I going to say to my sister? And he says, you're going to say no to me, and you're going to say yes to your sister? So I had 50 yards to go, and in 50 yards, I said, okay, I will do it. So I went to my sisters, and I said, I'm not coming with you this afternoon. Why not? Because I don't like to come with you this afternoon. Why not? Well, I can tell her God says not to. But I said to her, because I don't feel right about it. And I didn't go. Every year, that opportunity is presented to me. And every year, I make up my mind to rather obey God than please my sister. And when I took that step, I felt the freedom. I felt the freedom coming upon me. I'm not pleasing man. I'm pleasing God. I met a man, I met a family I met a family a few years ago. They're the only people that are saved in a in a community of about 200 people. And they've been saved now for about 30 years. And and the first year, the first time that they, they, they declare to the community that they're not going to partake of their, of their uh, things that they do uh, in their church, they came down with uh, sticks and with, uh, with uh, stones to kill them. They came to their home. But God protected them. And they stood since then, and they have not bowed. That's what God is expecting from his church. He has put gifts and callings in you. All of us have something to contribute to. All of us. Because God has given you something in your hand today. 
In some place, in some people might have given several gifts. In me has given me one gift. But if I go and bury that gift, what profit is there to God? Or to the community that I serve? To my church? What profit is it? I want you to turn in Matthew chapter 25. Matthew 25, Jesus always speaks, spoke in parables. And sometimes his disciples had a hard time with that because they did not understand what he was saying. And when they would see Jesus a little bit later on and would say to him, can you explain what you just said? They were men that they didn't understand. They were, they were not because they were uneducated, but he was speaking above their heads. They were not born again at that time. And so they didn't know what Jesus was saying. And he's talking to them about the talents. It was laid in chapter four, uh, 25, verse 14. It says, for it is just like a man about to go on a journey who called his own slaves and entrusted his possessions to them. Jesus left us. He's not here. We don't see him bodily. He is in heaven, but he lives in our hearts. But he also, he trusted us with his possessions. He trusted you with his possessions. He trusted me with his possessions. And so he said, and one he gave five talents to another two and to another one, each according to his own ability, and he went on his journey. Each according to his own ability. If I have one, only one talent, I should just do without one talent uh, the best that I can. Because that's what I have. I'm good at it. Go for it. You might have two. You might have five. Jesus knows what he does. He knows what he's doing. He knows what he's doing. We sometimes feel inferior. Because I only have one talent. And I don't sing. I don't dance. What else? I don't play the piano. What, I, what else is there? There's so much more. But the thing is that I have something in my hand that I can contribute to the body of Christ. And whatever it is that I have in my hand, if I use that gift and contribute to the body of Christ, I'm telling you, God will come and pat me in the back and say, well done, my faithful and good servant. That's what we should be looking for. Right. Not the approval of men, but the approval of God. Yes. So these guys got their gifts. And so in, uh, he came after, in verse 19, he came after a long time. The master came and he called those guys and he says, the one who had received the five talents came up and brought five more talents. Praise the Lord. He did not put them under the carpet. He did not strip them under the, 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 door, the doormat. He used his talents and he made more for Jesus. And so he says to, he says to him, and brought him five more talents. Master, you entrusted five talents to me. I see I have gained more, five more. His master said to him, well done, good and faithful slave. 
you, have, you were faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. I want to hear that. Don't you? I want to hear that. And so forth, he goes on to say about that. And then, verse 24, he says, For the one who had received the one talent came up and said, Master, I know you to be a, a hard man. Reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you, you scattered not seed. And I was afraid. I was afraid. Fear will keep you from doing the will of God. Fear will keep you from doing the will of God. You have to remember that God has not given you a spirit of fear. Either the devil puts fear on you or you create your own fears. How about if I do this and they're not going to like it? How about if I say this and they're not going to do what I said? So I keep my talent well covered. So, verse 27, it says, You ought to have put my money in the bank, and on my arrival, I would have received my money back with interest. And this is what he said. 29 says, For to everyone who has shall be more given, and he shall have an abundance, but from the one who does not have, even what he does have shall be taken away. And cast out the worthless. I looked up that word, worthless. It's unprofitable and useless. Unprofitable and useless. I'm sure none of us here wants to be called unprofitable and useless. Yet, the Bible says here that the this guy that hid his talent, that's what he got. The church of Jesus Christ is to be lifted up, is to be victorious church. Victorious church. In, uh, in um, Titus, Let's go to Titus for a second. Titus. I've got to find Titus now, huh? Titus chapter 2 and verse 14. <clears throat> it talks about who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from every lawless deeds and purify for himself a people for his own possession, zealous for good deeds. He gave himself up that he might redeem us from every lawless deeds and purify us. When we came to Jesus, his blood cleansed us from all unrighteousness. And you and, you and I, we were set apart 
we were purified. We were made holy. We might not look holy, but we are holy. I want you to go to Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5 is Jesus is talking. Paul actually is talking, but but this is what this is what Paul is saying about Jesus. Verse 25 it says, Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loves the church and gave himself up for her. You know, Jesus gave himself up for the church. Nobody took his life. Nobody killed him. He laid down his life for his people. He laid down his, his life for us. And so he says <clears throat> that, he might, uh, uh, that he might sanctify her. Having cleansed her by the washing of the water of the word. That he might present to himself the church in all her glory. Do you know how many times I have read this scripture? I'd say a thousand times. I've underlined it with all kinds of colors. I had never seen it before. I never saw the the statement that he might present to himself. I always thought that he will present us to God. I always thought that. I I, I don't know why I I missed that. Maybe maybe some of you have done the same thing and you're ashamed to, to say it. But I'm standing up before you today, and I said I missed that, that he might present to himself the church in all her glory, having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and blameless. This is the church of Jesus Christ, the church, the redeemed. He might present to himself the church is in God's presence, sanctified means to withdraw from fellowship from the world and gain fellowship with God. The more you withdraw from the world, the more you should go and cling to God. The more you should let things fall off from you, the more you should go and buy gold purified with fire and garments that are suitable for the occasion. I will close with this in Philippians chapter 3. 
Philippians chapter 3, Paul is saying, he's talking about that he may know him and the power of his resurrection in verse 10 and the fellowship of his sufferings being confirmed to his death in order that I may attain to the resurrection from the dead, not that I have already obtained it or have already become perfect, but I press on. Church, press on. Church, don't roll over and play dead. Press on. This is what Paul is saying. The, the great apostle that he ever lived, this is what he come down to say. Not that I are heavy obtained or have already become perfect. None of us are perfect. But I press on in order that I may lay hold of that for which I was laid hold by Christ Jesus. Let me tell you, each and every one of us was laid hold by Christ Jesus for something. So it is up to you and I to press on, to find out what was, what was that thing that God laid hold of us. What were you laid hold of? You press on. You press on. You know what? Press on, it doesn't mean like this. I'm pressing on this. No, you press. You press. You press with all your might. You press. You stand there and you press. If I press against this piano, I know my weight is not, it's not uh, to, to, uh, 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 enough to move this piano out of its, its place. But you know what? You can move the things that so easily beset you. You can move the things that they have come into your life to steal, to kill, and to destroy your lives. Jesus paid a price for all of us. Jesus paid the price. So he says, I press on towards of the goal, of the price, of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. There is an upward goal. We press, we press on until we come to the place that God will stand before, we will stand before God and he'll say, well done, my faithful and good servant. Amen. Well done, my faithful and good servant. And my last scripture is this. Seven times in the book of Revelation, when he's talking to the churches, he says this. Do you think it's important? He says, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. And he repeats that seven times. I think when somebody tells you seven times something, it's very important. And I think Jesus is saying to us today, he who has an ear, do you have an ear? Hear what the, church, what the Spirit is saying to the church. Jesus is speaking to each and every one of us today. So you hear what the Spirit is saying to your heart today. Amen? Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah.